Hey everyone, it's Chris here. I just wanted to preface uh, episode 73 with a quick announcement. After almost two years, uh, 73 episodes of this show, countless others, I've decided to step away from podcasting and focus on real life. So this will be the last time you hear me on Horde of Notions or pretty much any podcast for the foreseeable future. Thanks so much for all your support over the past two years. I know the show will be in great hands as we move forward. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to me over the last little while. I'll still be around on Twitter. I'll still be playing the game. And I want to thank everybody for uh, everything that they've done, making me feel really great, getting me to GP Vancouver, and basically putting some value behind all the effort I've put in. But uh, enjoy the show. And again, thanks, everyone, for your support. Horde of Notions is brought to you by FaceFace Games, Canada's number one source for magic singles and products. Check us out at facefacegames.com. Which uh, seems like a pretty good weekend to me. Yes, and if you have three-year-old daughters, uh, the La La Loopsie television series premieres on Friday. Good evening and welcome to episode 73 of Horde of Notions. I'm your host, Chris. With me tonight, just two of the regular hosts. First of all, it's Adina. Hello, everybody. And, of course, we have the Squirrel Master himself, Travis. Hey, I'm here. Are you really? I am. Believe it or not. We have a very special guest with us uh, this week. Somebody whose brewing heart takes right after our own. A man whose scorn for sleeves is only matched by his scorn for net decking. Uh-huh. One of the most popular streamers on the planet, it is Travis Wu. Travis, how you doing? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me on. I I like what you guys do, and I'm flattered at the invitation. Glad to be here. Awesome. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Have you been on a podcast before? I don't think you have, have you? I've been on, yeah, I've been on like a couple podcasts. Uh, you know, and you're only about 57 behind Chris. <laughs> oh, I mean, I haven't been on one of your guys' podcasts. I thought you meant in general. No, but, no in general. Oh, in general. Right. Yeah, I've been on a couple. I can't even remember the names. It's been like a, I've been on two over the past couple of years, but I'm vaguely familiar with, with doing this sort of thing. Okay. No, that's just wondering because we, we tend to get lucky and get people on who haven't been on before, and then people love listening to it. We did. Uh, we had one with John Finkel a little while back, and he'd never been on one. That's a steal, man. Well, I, I got lucky there. I used to play with him back in the day. So, But hey, we're really glad to have you on. A lot of our fans have been asking us to get you on, and uh, glad we could work the timing out. Well, I'm here. What's up, everyone? <laughs> so one of your biggest claims to fame is your stream and the fact that you play some very unconventional decks. What uh, What is it that brings you down that road? I mean, I like the stream is... Not even a year old, and I've been doing this for 18 years. Like, when I was five, I began transitioning from building Lego forts to building magic decks, which is, like, the natural progression. So, like, for me, I mean, 
Magic was a big competitive outlet, but more than anything, as I grew up and I was si- I was the kid sitting in the back of class, spacing out when nobody knew, as I was just like putting decks together in my head. You know, it's like uh, just so fun for me to like try out the different pieces and fit them in, see how they fit, and like to me, that's just the most fun part of Magic more than the actual playing is like create producing something. I like to produce things, so that's what that's what Magic does for me. So, at this point, I've got to ask you, how old are you? I'm 23. Oh, my goodness, you make me feel old. Uh, you are you are old. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, the stream thing, how, how did you start streaming? What made you wanted to get into that? Was it, like, watching others, or was it something you had planned all along? Uh, it's pretty interesting, actually, because I got into it later. I knew that it was going to be the next big thing in Magic before anyone from Magic had started streaming, and I know this because I'm familiar with StarCraft and Dota and LoL and all this, but at the time I was in school and I was studying marketing and my idea was actually to like go, like basically I wanted to go more of a business route before actually streaming and then after I graduated I was like, I'm going to go work at Wizards uh, in R&D and that ended up falling through and then I was like, I guess I'm going to stream and once I started I just could not stop because it was like, I knew this was the future all along, it was only a matter of time. No. Yeah, and I mean, if you watch people now, like the the pioneers of the magic streaming, you know, people like Cedric and uh, Michael Jacob have been putting a, together tremendous amounts of effort into the into the streaming yeah. thing. What do you think magic streaming needs to take it to the next level? Um, I think it takes like kind of humble realization of the problems that magic has as a spectator sport. Um, it's pretty boring to watch in that like. The graphic animation is just not going to catch your eye. You don't know what's going on. You can, like, sit down and watch StarCraft, and it just looks cool because you see, like, Marines fighting Zerglings and stuff. You know, you don't need to know anything about StarCraft to be entertained by that, right? Sure, and there's explosions, which always help. Yeah, so, like, I think that a lot of people, or the community kind of wants to emulate what other streams are doing, or what, what other game streams are doing, but it's just not possible because Magic is so graphically boring. But there's a big opportunity there. Uh, it just means that the focus of the stream needs to be more on the player and his thinking as an entertainer than on the game itself. So you can obviously see that from my stream, that that is my philosophy. And that's because I have a humble understanding that magic is just kind of boring to watch by itself. So I don't, you know, I'm like not going to play music. I'm not going, I'm just going to try to fill the dead air. Like, like it's a podcast, basically. Podcasts are entertaining, and add a visual element to it, and it's pretty sweet, so. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more, and that this is almost exactly what I've been saying about streaming and even coverage. You need, there needs to be more focus on the players. Yes. Right, you need more color commentary with what's going on. And I think also, especially for things like GPs and especially Pro Tours, we need to focus on the characters playing the game so that people become engaged with individual players. And you have, like, fan clubs. You know, people want... People are rooting for so-and-so to do well. Casual Magic players start to follow, say, Conley Woods. He, I'm a big Conley Woods fan, for example. Yeah. If, build characters. I don't know if you guys remember back to the World Series of Poker Boom, like, what was that, like, six, seven years ago or something? Yeah. It was around the time of the last NHL strike, yeah. Yeah, and the, I'd say the most entertaining thing about those episodes is, like, when they would take someone and, like, away from the table and show, like, what they do outside of the game or whatever. Like, Jesus Ferguson is throwing, like, cards and cutting bananas and stuff, and, like, 
This is what makes it entertaining, is the characters. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what, what needs to be done with magic. It needs to take so a page from the WWE, too. Oh. What would that Turn some like? of the players into characters, pretty much. Well, not sure, and then, sure, and then we need, you know, a holographic tournament area that they can walk into the arena, and when they play the card, the monster, like, holographically appears and battles with the other monster. That sounds sweet. <laughs> it wouldn't be that difficult for them to put like intro videos together for the people in the top eight. Yeah, exactly. That's really cool. And entrance music. Yes. And announcers. Like if, if you, we already kind of do it. If you have a pro tour top eights where you have someone announcing each of the eight players as they come in, they could be flanked by their teammates. Yeah. Like you know, and yeah, and when the winner of the pro tour happens, there's already applause. It's not hard to set up some confetti. Put some spectacle in it. Make yeah. it fun to look at. Take a note out of StarCraft. I'm, I'm amazed well. to hear you say that, because, Chris, you're a judge, and as a judge, it would fall on you to clean up the confetti afterwards. And, <laughs> and myself as well, you know, myself as well. So, you know, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's throw more paper on the floor. That's <laughs> fine to be. Well, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> Confetti sweep up team. Let you rethink that, huh, Chris? (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, the stream, the stream has obviously been awesome for you, and you're known for just wearing vests or no shirts at all. Sure. Um, but the other thing that you're mainly famous for is the brewing, and you said you just enjoy creating things, which I think is why all of us started this podcast because we enjoy creating. So, what is it though that you do? How do you brew? What's your process? It really varies. I usually like my decks to create something rather than destroy the opponent. I mean, take a, a control deck, for example. Um, you want to stop your opponent from doing something, and that's really not what I'm about. I'm trying to create something greater than what my opponent is creating. Like, we're simultaneously building. It's like we're playing Age of, Age, Age of Empires or StarCraft or something. We're both building up our sides, and then, like, we go into battle or whatever. So I'm always trying to, like build or like towards a crazy finish like i want i want a crazy finish right so oftentimes i'll envision like the, my entire deck in play and then i'm like how am i going to get there and then I'm like i can use there's all kinds of ways i can get there i can use primal surge i can use uh omniscience gristlebrand i can use uh enter the infinite i can use cryptgast i can use face reward or something so i'm always i, I just want to like I want my deck to create something awesome, you know? It's possible we might actually be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you, when you had that green summer deck, yeah. um, as soon as I saw that, I jumped all over it. And I, I remember uh, tweeting back and forth with you about some, some changes I had some ideas yeah. on because I, I did play it. But yeah, that, that's exactly how I play Magic. I want to have fun. I mean, I, if I want to go to a major event like a PTQ or a GP, sure, I'll take a tier one deck. But... When I'm playing just locally, I enjoy the fact that when I sit down opposite someone at a tournament, the first thing they say is, oh, God, what the heck could you be playing this week? Yeah, but don't you, yeah. wouldn't you enjoy doing that at a PTQ? That really strikes fear in the opponent. <laughs> well, <laughs> PTQs around here are so rare that I don't, would, kind of wouldn't want to squander the opportunity. But, you know, if I could drive to six within two hours' distance, maybe I would. Well, I mean, like, I have always played... Brews and PDQs and all that, and that's 
hasn't stopped me from qualifying for the Pro Tour and doing well in the Pro Tour as well. Like, uh, I mean, I, I think that, like, you, I'm always trying to make the brew as competitive as possible, and I yep. always found that it gives me such an advantage when I'm playing against someone who just doesn't know what's going on, and that's an advantage that you can use at the highest level because everyone prepares for the Tier 1 decks, and when they sit down against something that they've never seen before, they just, it affects their play because it's important, like, they're playing at something for the very first time. They don't know what's important, they don't know what cards are important or whatever, so, like, I always found that brew, if you play a brew, even if it's worse than whatever's tier one, which isn't even necessarily a given, it's possible to just break it with the brew, but even if it's worse, you just have this huge advantage because your opponent's just fumbling in the dark while you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I've always tried to go rogue. For sure. And Travis and I have come up with some interesting decks, especially around Rock's Faith, man. (laughs) But this is something that a lot of our listeners will be wondering, because you have played on the Pro Tour, and you're clearly good enough to get there again. And before the show, we were chatting briefly about this, but I'm sure our listeners would like to know, what is it that stopped you from chasing that envelope? I mean, I have never really been chasing an envelope. I just... Every once in a while, one of my brews starts winning so much that I decide to take it to a tournament, and then I'll win. So, like, the entire time, I've just skipped all sorts of tournaments, even when I was qualifying for the Pro Tour. I've skipped Pro Tours and stuff just because I didn't have a deck I was excited for, basically. So, like, uh, I mean, I just pick my spots, basically, and it's not that I've stopped chasing necessarily. Um... Like, I mean, I, I'm not huge on sealed deck. This modern season, I haven't had a deck that I've liked. I'm just waiting to pick my spot, basically. So modern, you didn't find, uh, was doing well for you this year? Oh, uh, I was more focused on standard. So, like, when standard yeah. comes around, there's a good chance I play. I'm actually flying to SCG Atlanta Invitational in two weeks to compete in that. Awesome. awesome. And standard uh, Pro Tour season, or Pro Tour qualifier season, is about to start. Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's definitely a chance that I'm playing, but also, like, something to think about is if I go to a PTQ or whatever, that, like, has an opportunity cost of me doing a stream, and my reach and, like, effect on the community and the world is greater by doing a stream. So, like, I have been, since I've, like, started seeing the stream and all this, it, it has pulled me away from tournaments, definitely. And that's understandable because you've got to wait, especially in Seattle, where, I mean, you've got, just off the top of my head, you've got John Laux, you've got Cedric Phillips, you've got Brian Wong, you've got um, oh, uh, GCB. Yeah, and we have 200-plus people at every tournament, so it's like... Right. And, like, eight of them have multiple pro points. Yeah. <laughs> so you're fighting through a, a field of crazy ringers, and that's not including anyone who comes down from Canada or who comes up from Northern California or from the Oregon area. Yeah. Like, or it, who it drives seems... out from Wyoming, you know, because that's the nearest PTU. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, Adina, would you? I've driven pretty far. I drove up to Montana. I drove down to Salt Lake City. I drove to Casper. I've flown to San Francisco and Philadelphia and... Las Vegas and Los Angeles. Well, not Las Vegas yet, but I will be going there soon. I don't know what any of these places are. You've never heard of Los Angeles. I'm <laughs> of sure. Of course I have. I'm sure some you haven't. Them. Yeah. Some of them I don't know. But, yeah, so standard PTQ season, like we said, is around mm-hmm. the corner. And uh, I know Will, especially, who's not here right now, 
he top-aided two PTQs this season and just missed out on a third, which probably would have got him his invite. So he's looking for a standard deck. The um, what, what are you thinking is going to be where you're starting? Like, what, what's the sickest card you're looking um, at? I'm going to be focusing on Omnidor, actually. Okay. I think that the deck is very good and was very good. Not a lot of people... Uh, played it. Oh, I mean, not a lot of people at the highest level played it, but whenever I saw someone did, they just dominated daily events or whatever. I saw LSB 4-0, I saw Sifka 4-0. My rating and my stockpile of cards just exploded from playing this deck because I just didn't stop winning. Uh, But I got away from it when the new set came out because I thought everyone was going to play Skullcrack, but no one ended up playing Skullcrack, so I'm going to go back to Omnidor and see what happens. Yeah, Skullcrack just didn't really materialize as a card, which surprised a lot of people, uh, I know. I think it has to do with Boros Reckoner uh, kind of pushing Thragtusk out. Sure. And then Skullcrack I mean, not being super relevant. It seems really poorly positioned after the evolution with Gatecrash. Yeah, but uh, I, I find Fog to be really well positioned right now, and that was one of the strongest parts of Omnidor, because if you have Fogs and Snapcasters, like... There comes a point in your game, in, in most dex games, where they just cannot interact with you for consecutive turns because they don't interact with Fog. Every, everybody attacks right now, pretty much. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I was running still, Fog most of last year. Ranger's Path just got really good. I actually am not playing that anymore. Oh, okay. Because it did get much better after Gatecrash, but... Yeah, but Urban Evolution is crazy, and it's crazy with Fog, too. Ooh, yeah, okay, I can see that. Because you play, pay it for five, you can tap out and then use your extra land to put, cast the fog, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's, the card's just crazy. Awesome. What's I've been trying to... control? Uh, we've got dispels, we, uh, we've got one dispel in the main, got more in the board. I'm um, working on putting more Snapcasters in the deck so it can be like a Fog Dispel Split card, which is really insane. And then, like, for the people trying to mill you out, uh, I'm, I've got, like, Snapcasters, Psychic Spiral, and memory a Memories Journey in the board. So, like, if they try to mill you, you can set up a Lethal Spiral not that hard. Uh, you still playing Slaughter Games in it? Because that was in the original version, wasn't it? Uh, Not right now, but, I mean, I... Have a lot of work to do, so I—I I mean, I don't know what the list is going to look like. I'll for sure write about it when I, you know, when the time comes. Well, we'll all see it because I know we all read. But uh, uh, Travis, you give us a notion of the week every week, Mister Squirrel Master. That is right. And uh, this week, I believe your notion of the week is is something that our special guest here is quite familiar with. Yes, this week's notion of the week is uh, Mister Wu's Black Tag Combo Deck. So how how did you get to this? Like, Cryptgast is obviously insane. Yeah. I've been trying to do things with it. So was that basically where you started with this deck? Um, I got a random wall post from some random viewer who said, you know, you can play 12 Cryptgast with Clone and Evil Twin. And I was <laughs> like, indeed, indeed you can. So, uh, I mean, from there, I just like... Uh, was like, all right, what can I do? Obviously, you can kill them with x um, you need to play a lot of swamps, and I was like, wanted to like play temporal masteries and rewinds just to kill them on the spot. So the deck kind of just came together. A lot of the reason that I've been able to build decks like this is because of the Tuesday Bruce Day thing I'm doing, which is like on Tuesdays. So I'll just like I've, every Tuesday I'll build a new deck and then play against people who are building new decks. So like 
that's given me a lot of freedom to just experiment with new, not necessarily tier one decks. That's uh, that's interesting because we were starting a stream and we were going to call it Bruce Night Magic, but I guess we'll need a new name now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can use it. I don't. It's not trademarked or anything. Whatever you want. <laughs> but no, because. One of the things, like, when I saw Cryptgast, I was thinking, okay, well, Liliana of the Dark Realms is so underplayed and yeah. works really well with Cryptgast. And then I thought, well, Chromatic Lantern works well with Cryptgast, too. Yeah, it does. So I was trying to do some things along those lines, and then, you know, Turn 4 Gristlebrand, or Turn 5 Gristlebrand is never a bad thing. It's not horrible. And we were building a um, Heartless Summon Cryptgast version a few weeks ago on the, on the podcast that was also looking at... Um, Blue green and going with I think I had evil twin in it, but also was doing um, the thrag tusks and Chris did I navigate did I navigator and other things thrag does he thrag tusks prime speaker yeah we also thought about primordials but they seemed better in the board these are we we just occasionally come up with good things like I've been working on immortal servitude since oh, yeah. crash came out. Uh, do you think two or three is the best slot for that? I think that Faith's Reward is the card to play. I think Immortal Servitude's a red herring, actually. Interesting. Like, I have a I have a Faith's Reward deck that doesn't play Immortal Servitude. I started off as a Immortal Servitude deck, but it's too restrictive. Um, the problem with twos is that you are just really clunky. You play a two on turn two. Turn three, you play a two and waste a mana. You wasted your first turn mana. Turn four, you play two twos. Just the mana is super clunky. And it's even worse with threes. Like, threes, you have to use a bunch of, like, mulches or grizzly salvages or faithless wounding or chronic flooding, something to fill your yard. Because if you're just going to be casting threes, it's too slow. So, like, with faith reward, you can play ones, twos, threes, fours, fives, and sixes if you want. And that is just makes... It really frees up your deck building selection, I, I, I think. But, I mean, I'm not going to say don't build an immortal servitude deck, but if you want something more powerful, I think faith reward is the way to go. I never thought of that, because what I was doing was stuff like uh, Strangle Rook Ice and Butcher Ghoul, Bloodthrone Vampire, Blood Artist. I had a lot less troll and f- uh, Forbidden Alchemy to fill the yard with. I did use Mulch and Grizzly Salvage to start with, but you losing your Immortal Servitude was kind of unfair. <laughs> but Dawn Treader Elk was an MVP for me in that Yeah. Deck. Uh, I used to play him in uh, Primal Surge, too. I do like Primal Surge. Well, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't I'm everybody? Primal Surge. Some people Clearly don't, not. actually. I, I don't know why. I mean, 10 mana win the game seems fine. Because those 11, people are dead it? inside. They're cold dusks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but how does it match up against blue-white-red flash? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. I, I, know, I know we're all on board with this, but Magic is a game, and I play it to have fun. You know, if I wanted to play it to strictly win, I guess I could do that, but that wouldn't necessarily be as fun for me. Yeah, I mean, winning is fun. Winning is fun, but winning with your own creation is more fun. Producing is fun. Like That's the reason I started writing the articles I do on unlocking achievements while I play, because that way, even if I lose, I still feel like I've got somewhere. Yeah, if you have a goal. And like some of the achievements I've unlocked, like getting to 100 life and winning a game with Daughter Nothingness and killing someone with a Vraska token, like, it, it's fun. I've it, never it, killed someone fun. with a Vraska token. Oh, it feels pretty good. Oh, I can't feel bad. Because <laughs> people just see Vraska, and unless you start ticking her down, they don't care. And then you hit seven, and they're like, wait, what is she ultimate at again? And it's too late by that point. 
I, yeah, I really do enjoy the deck and uh, or the card and, and building decks to to go for achievements. The article series was has been very popular, and people have sent me all sorts of suggestions, some of which are impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, when uh, they wanted me to win with Daughter to Nothingness using only mana from key runes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well win with that dragon where you have 20 artifacts and play at that point. Um, I might be doing that in modern. Really? I'm going to try it. <laughs> I, it, especially against Affinity, it seems hilarious. Yeah, if you hit him, it's like, why is that in play? <laughs> <laughs> it does cost six mana. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to to do in, in with Modern is um, try and make tin fins in Modern. That deck is stupid, by the way, in Legacy. Uh, it's ridiculous. What does it look like in Modern? Well, you don't have Shallow Grave. Which one is tin fins? Oh, I that's see. The, that's the Grizzlebrand reanimator, huh? The Grizzlebrand Emrakul Goryeo's Vengeance thing. Uh, you can't go turn one, but turn two you can with the Fury of the Horde. But Children of the Children of Corlys is legal in modern, and so is uh, Orzhov Charm. Don't forget. So you can Orzhov Charm back your Children of Corlys. Yeah, I see people playing that occasionally. Not. I think it would be fun to try. Yeah. It's been around for a while. I remember, I think Ruben Bresler played it at GP Columbus because he ran into uh, my friend Jacob, who actually won GP Columbus. Uh, and in that match, Ruben hit it on like turn two or three, but you used so many resources that he ended up losing because it took him six or seven turns to get the rest of his, uh, get the combo to go again or something. Yeah. Well, Fury of the Horde is just gross. That, that's what uh, makes the deck tick because you can cast it for free. But if we can just go back to this Black Tide deck yeah. for a minute. So the key to it is, is it plays like High Tide, right? Similarly, yeah. Because if I remember correctly, it's using uh, Rewind, and you're going to be rewinding your own spells sometimes. Sometimes. Or you just pass the turn, and, and, and like they either play a spell and die, or they don't play a spell and they die. Right. Because you have all that mana. You're playing Wolf Run as well, right? Yeah, that's like doesn't come up that much, actually. Surprisingly, you just extort them most of the time. That's just it. Like the the way that your mind comes up with these things, I just don't. I can't get my head around it sometimes. Because I like to think I have that sort of a brain, and then I see the stuff that you come up with. I'm like, I I'm not even on that plane. So like, like I saw all those cards, I just didn't you know put them together that way. Well, rewind is is what threw me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's legal. Yeah. Are you, so are you a gatherer rat, Travis? I, I mean, I, keep, I probably have the advanced section, advanced search function of gatherer, like, on my homepage for all my computers. I used I live to go gatherer. literal every single card in gatherer. I used to do that. I would, like, you know, if I was unsatisfied with the deck, I would go through the entire, basically gather everything that's legal in those colors. But now uh, the stream makes the process a lot easier because... People will just be shouting in the chat ideas. You know, some of them are good, so I just have to treat every suggestion seriously. Like that's the decks crowdsource yeah. themselves almost, <laughs> and that's awesome. Like because you've got to the point now where people know that you're a brewer, and they take that and give you more suggestions to brew with. Yeah, it's like, so. Have you? I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Has, has anyone ever suggested trash for treasure to you in modern? <laughs> Uh, no. So, 
This is something you need to brew up. I mean, you would return a Sunring Titan, I guess, but... Sundering Titan, Worm Coil Engine, um, Sphinx of the Steel Wind is also an artifact. Well, Leviathan was what I used last year when I was working with it. I would rather just Gorio's Vengeance. It costs a mana less. You don't need an artifact. Returns. Well, that only gets legendary creatures, right? Yeah, but the legendary creatures are the best, or better than artifacts. That's true. I mean, like, I have a lot of ideas. I don't create decks out of all of them. And this is something that um, a lot of people have said when they come on the show, that ideas are great, but they're not, they're not all decks. Like, you have to be ready to discard the stuff that doesn't work. Yeah, or, like, I don't know. I, I Not everything is something I necessarily want to build, put together. I mean, I might be even a sweet deck, but that doesn't mean I want to put it together. Not your style, for example? Yeah, or? I mean, like, certain decks are just, or certain ideas are more my style. Okay, yeah, I can get behind that. Big, expensive, that, explosive endings. <laughs> yeah, I want my entire deck in play. And that there's so many ways to do that, like you were discussing earlier with things like omniscience and stuff. Yeah, I've done but, it with, like, three different decks in standard, I don't want to say, right now. Four different, maybe. That's awesome. Just a lot of ways that's, to do it. So things like face reward. Well, the face reward deck. The gr- there was that eggs deck you were playing in standard, right? With face yeah, reward. yeah, yeah. That morphed into the face reward deck, which I'm calling green green eggs and spam because it's it's like basically base green. Uh, I'm, I'm writing an article about it tonight, which is going up tomorrow night, which I'm super excited about. This deck is so much fun; it's crazy. Okay, so th- your articles go up on on Monday nights normally, do they? Yeah, tomorrow night. Or I, I guess I don't know when. You, you guys are listening to this podcast, right? So <laughs> this is true. It'll probably be later on this week, yeah. depending on when the it went up two days through. ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's already uh, up. <laughs> go read it. Enjoy it. Send ideas. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the decks we've been playing, and uh, we can get some uh, get some hints from the master brewer himself. Okay. Adina, have you been doing anything? You know, I've got this huge pile of gate crash cards that I have been sorting. So I've, I've kind of got some ideas in my head, but I haven't really materialized anything into a deck. I've just really been, you know, filing all my cards and, and seeing what I have and what I don't have and, you know, which which commons and uncommons I even have play sets to build anything with. Okay. So the short answer is no, you haven't been the, building anything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Okay, so what are you thinking you're going to want to do? Like, has anything caught your eye? Um, you know, I have all the lands, all the dual lands for uh, Jund colors. So I would like to do something in Jund colors, but not necessarily Jund because I don't really have Huntmasters and some of the other things. Um, I do have Rancors, and I love Rancor. So I want to build something, you know, little and fast and aggressive with Rancor in it. Huh. Uh, some things I like with Rancor. Precinct Captain is fun with Rancor. Yeah. That was good. Anything with first track is good with Rancor. Well, yeah. yeah. Definitely. It's not something really that prompts a lot of brewing, though, because it's just a good card. I will say it's like disappointing to be constrained by card availability. Um, yes, it definitely. is. Definitely. <laughs> that's, that's the reason I haven't played your Omni Thragdor deck. I haven't been able to get Omniscience. 
I feel like when I used to when I used to play Magic online a lot, um, that I brewed so much more because of the constant availability of cards. I didn't have to find anyone to trade with. I didn't have to drive two hours to the store, you know, and, and hope that they had it in stock. If I wanted a card, I just went to the bots and bought it. You know, there were so many cards available online, um, you know, and I was constantly playing sealed because I could just hop right into it. Um, but now that I've kind of transitioned into playing with real cards, um, I'm, I'm not spending the money online because I don't have the money to spend online because I'm spending it on real cards. Mm-hmm. And then I have to, you know, deal with what I actually own for, for the, for real cards. Plus, you know, the whole thing about gen colors, I really like aggro fast, burning things, swinging, you know, that's, that's my play style. So I'm, I'm very much Rakdos with maybe a splash of green. Well, I will say something that I'm thinking about is the majority of my the majority of my playing in my life has either been with proxies on Magic Workstation, which is basically proxy online, or just in my head. So like, I know I mean I know real cards are a thing, but like I'd definitely say the majority of my playing has been like card availability is not a thing, even if I never play the deck in a tournament. Just because it allows me, it's, it's, I find it to be really liberating to at least like imagine that I would be able to get a card if I want. But I mean, if you're just like building for F and M or whatever, then might as well. Like card availability is a real issue. But uh, I mean, the fun for me is like I don't know. Imagining that I have every single Lego piece that I need, even if I will never have them. Yeah, I think that's why I've transitioned to whenever I am playing Magic Online, I'm playing on the beta server. Because on in, in beta you just you have every card and you can just play you know whatever and you know build things to do crazy interactions to see if they work and, and things like that. Plus a lot of it's sealed, but it's not regular sealed. It's like sealed with cards from throughout Magic to see how they interact with each other. So it's it's a lot different. It's not really a format that you would play in real life. It's just kind of oh here's a bunch of cards, play them and, and see it's, if they it's work. Cube sealed. Yeah. It's a liberating. It's not even cube because the cards that are in it just don't make any sense. It's hilarious. Like you'll open up a pack and there'll be like five rares in it, you know, and just like random cards from throughout Magic. So it's pretty cool. I'm lucky in that being a judge, I do get uh, a fair amount of cards for judging. And that is nice. Well, it's not exactly free. You have to put in some effort. Uh, there's but definitely some work involved in judging. Must be nice getting paid for doing work. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. But I've uh, I've so I've been without this problem for a long time, you know, the card availability problem. So I can't really identify, but yeah. <laughs> so. Mr. Hall, what have you been doing? I have been working on two decks. A um, bug deck that is an extension of the one I think we talked about last week. And um, a grill deck. The bug deck, I've decided just to go... It's almost a a block deck I've been working with Evolve. And um, I've cut back on Master Biomancer to run Corpse Jack Menace instead. For the most part. Um... Because <laughs> with uh, Clawfin Raptor, Experiment 1, and Gyre Sage are already in play, he does more with the early beaters. 
he lets you sort of curve out into a, a bigger ending. Although, I did deck myself last night when I had two Master Biomancers in play, two Corp Jacks Menace in play, a 13-14 Dire Sage, and then I played Prime Speaker. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, I drew everything, but I think I was going to draw over 40 cards. And, I mean, oh, it just oh, makes boy. huge dudes and bashes. That's why I love it. But you... D- <laughs> That's 40 draw cards. Like, uh... <laughs> It was fun. God. I mean... It's, it's nice to just go out in a blaze of glory sometimes. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I, I knew I had the game. My opponent couldn't block, so I just... I mean, I wasn't playing competitively. I just decked myself to do it because, I mean, who doesn't want to see a 40-40 prime speaker on the board? Yeah. <laughs> I think I actually put pictures of that one up right before it happened on... um. Twitter yesterday. So this bug deck that you've been playing, you've been trying to convince me that it's worthwhile. It's pretty good. I stomped Will's face in with it last night. <laughs> You're the one we've been, me, you, uh, you and I have been arguing over is Cloudfin Raptor. It was the yeah. part I've added. I've just been testing out. It's been really good. So let's talk about Cloudfin Raptor. Uh, Travis, have you tried brewing with it? I think that I picked it in limited once, and it was in my sideboard. <laughs> Sweet. Because <laughs> my problem with it has always been Cloudfin Raptor on turn one is amazing. Right? Cloudfin Raptor on turn 11, not so much. It, well, it depends. I mean, if I've got a Master Biomancer in play, it's still fine on turn 11. And there's always cards like that that see play, like, uh, you know, Goblin Guys, uh, Anyone Champion drunk. of the Parish. Experiment one is kind of in the same boat there. What the deck okay. tries to do is play a one-drop um, evolved creature, turn two, either play another one-drop evolved creature or Gyre Sage, and then start going Corpse Jack Manus on turn uh, four. So those that Cloudfern Raptor you played turn one is probably attacking for four or five points of the damage in the air on turn four. Wait, wait. Your time frame does not involve putting your entire deck into play on the fourth turn? <laughs> no, I brought my entire deck <laughs> on the fifth turn. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's in your hand. Then you just need to find the omniscience. And <laughs> Unexpected results, man. You never know what to expect. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, the the screenshots you've you put up of the deck look hilarious. It just, like you said, it's a block deck, and that kind of worries me in a in a format where people are you know attacking for thirteen on turn three. Well, yeah, but if it's just having fun with it, I keep playing, right? Oh, for sure. I just don't know if I want to play it. I think it has potential. Um, post-rotation, I think Evolve is definitely going to be one of the better strategies. Once you get some of these, uh, you get the Huntmaster out, you get um, but just the aggro in general once it slows down a bit. Which, even though I've, I've added Elusive Crisis as a way to stand up to the aggro, that thing can block for days. It's also unblockable. Yes, and since it's a zero four, I don't matter care if they slam in with a Boros Reckoner. Oh yeah, okay. Have you considered playing Biomass Mutation? Yes, I picked up a couple yesterday. That, um, I just haven't taken the time to to play them yet. Because a thirteen fourteen Gaia Sage can do some pretty disgusting things with a Biomass Mutation. I've got them. I just haven't had the time to test them. That will probably be the next step. Right now, my um, I, yeah, until yesterday, I was running uh, just Experiment 1 and Arbor Elf. I added Cloudfin Raptor to try 
because it really wasn't worth accelerating into turn three or turn four Master Biomancer if you're not putting the evolved creatures down. Or not Master Biomancer, but Corpse Shock Menace if you're not putting the uh, the evolved creatures down first. So I really don't have a problem going a one drop, a two drop, a three drop if I'm playing Corpse Shock Menace. If I go back to the Master Biomancer heavy version, I'll probably go back to Mana Elves. It seems like a real shame that you're doing all these things, these things with counters, and you can't squeeze a Gavany in there. I know. I thought about it. I did put a Zamet Guild Mage into trial for a while. His draw ability is actually pretty good. Yes, because you need to draw more cards. <laughs> well, those games where you're playing Control and they Supreme Verdict, and you have to rebuild, and you play the Cloud Fender after turn six as a zero one. You play Zamet Guild Mage and. If he's not going to make a dent, you use him to draw onto another card, and then you hopefully draw onto another Thrag Tusk or Prime Speaker or Corpse Shack Menace. He digs you out of holes post-board wipe. Okay, I have some thoughts over here. Go for it. Um, would you say that, like, it's basically, like, the only way to know if a strategy is good is to try it for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely feel that that's true. Like, a lot of people will ask me, or, like, what do you think of the deck, or whatever, or, like, what do you think of this card in the deck? And I just can't, I actually can't answer. They think that I have some kind of, I don't know, they think that I'm an expert and then can just tell them, but I can't because I haven't played with it, and the only way is for them to play with it. So, for, like, something that I'm curious about is, like, how what, what is your process like for actually changing your deck? Do you go out and actually pick up the cards and then put those cards in? If they're cheap, yes. Uh, I mean, mostly right now I'm playing online, so picking up things like uh, the okay. original person had Master Biomancers. When I picked up Corpse Jacks, they were like ten cents a piece. So, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Well, something that I think about is like if cards, if the only way to know if a strategy works is by trying it, and this is not necessarily for you guys, but for everyone out there. And if your way of trying out a new card is going out and buying it you're going to find that you don't have that much success because you don't try out that many things because it's logistically very difficult to actually try out new things. And then you're buying cards that you don't necessarily need anyways because you find out immediately after playing them that they suck. So if you're playing online, I mean, uh, this is why I always recommend for card availability, do whatever you have unlimited cards on. If you don't have an unlimited Magic Online or IRL real-life account, just play with your friends with proxies. Play with, play in Magic Workstation or Cockatrice or something because uh, it lets you iterate really, really fast. You can try a new card, and then five minutes later, it's not in your deck anymore. You didn't have to go to the store and buy it. You didn't have to go to a bot and buy it. And it doesn't... It, I, I just think it, that it's, like, so liberating to have unlimited card availability, and you only pick up the deck once you've actually tried out everything. It's, I'm not saying don't spend money on cards, but, like... I think that has been a lot of my success in my process is, in my mind, I have unlimited cards, even as a broke college student with zero cards. <laughs> That's true. And I couldn't agree more. Like, this is something that always irritated me when I first started brewing. I mean, I was terrible when I first started. One of the first decks I came up with when we were doing this podcast was the combo of Malera with Phyrexian Unlife and Etched Monstrosity. <laughs> and I swore blue blind up, down, left and right that it was the greatest thing I'd ever come up with and everybody should try it. And then I realized it was actually terrible. Uh. <laughs> um, but 
the problem is, and I find this with a lot of brewers, people look at their ideas and just dismiss them because they're not tier one decks. And they don't even try it. And I get, we get a lot of deck lists on this podcast and we love them. We love getting them because uh, it helps us sometimes come up with ideas. And we, we will provide suggestions, but there is no substitute for testing the deck yourself. No. You can't know. A lot, of the, a lot of the time, if the deck is terrible, that'll tell you you'll, you'll buy without you having to ask anyone else. Then, a lot of times, the, the deck has some things that aren't terrible. Like, if you, unless you play with some of these cards and see interactions, you're not going to know that, you know, this card sucks, but this little interaction was good enough to explore another avenue. It just seems I mean, like a really... Most of my deck building is just a card evaluation to know what what is going to work in another deck. The first versions I submitted my decks are just, yeah, awful. Uh, it's just my thought. It just like seems like a really slow way to go about deck building, of like actually logistically going to the store and getting a card and then putting it in your deck and then trying it, when you could just sharpie over a basic land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If I had to actually physically to get the cards, I would have had to quit magic. I have three-year-old twins, so... Jeez. <laughs> Getting to go anywhere and do anything, like, uh, I went to my first PTQ in four years uh, this season. Sounds like a challenge, man. I can't imagine. <laughs> Not to mention so having a large quantity of cards in the same vicinity as twin three-year-olds just could possibly be a disaster if they just got their hands into it, you know. So you, I'm sure you have a way of keeping the cards away from them. But Why would it's not like it's not like hand? my house. It's not like my house where I can just put things wherever, you know. I mean, obviously, well, I'm I'm not saying don't teach them to play magic, but. Obviously, you don't want them to, like, scatter the cards all over the floor. I suppose. My cards are sequestered into the third floor of our house. I can imagine three-year-old twins going berserk over the years playing Magic. Like, uh, giving them a couple decks is super dangerous, because they'll just fight each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, I know my, my, uh, my brother and uh, his wife, uh, my sister-in-law, I was uh, showing their three-year-old some cards, mm -hmm. and it was really cool, and it was really cool. And then there were some cards that they were like, I don't know if that's really appropriate for a three-year-old. Maybe don't show her that card, because that's a little too scary. Maybe here, show her this card, because that's okay. So then they kind of didn't really want me to, to show her, because, you know, they needed to approve everything first. Which is fine, because that's their kid, not my kid. But, yeah. you know, it it, the only hard. parts I have let mine touch are tokens. They lack uh, homunculus tokens. <laughs> I will say that I started when I was five, and that ha has helped me tremendously, not just from what you see me doing in Magic, but what I'm doing outside of it. And I think you could get started even earlier than that, and I don't think that it could really backfire. That's just my opinion. I, I'm thinking I'll probably start them when about they're six or seven. Um, we started them on video games last month. So, they're learning how to do Mario Kart right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, three is three is kind of pretty basic. Indoctrinate them and yeah. geek them slow. <laughs> so, tell us about this Gruel deck that you also mentioned. Uh, the Gruel deck is basically a fight deck. I'm running Uvenwald, um, Tracker, Domri, and uh, Boros Reckoner. Are you and playing Rage Beast? Not yet. I'm not sure which Rage Beast is. Seven nine six six. Everything you have fights. Yeah. Uh, whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, it fights 
another target creature or something? Well, I may be playing it now. <laughs> I mean, I cost seven, but I played with that card a bit in the my when I was first playing with Cryptcast, I was like playing that on my seven drop. Eight drop is Gristlebrand, fight your creature, or like eight drop is Thragtusk, fight your creature. Thragtusk comes into dies, beast comes into play, fight your creature. Nighthawk, death touch, fight your creature. <laughs> Card's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Just the idea of fighting a creature when you play a Grizzlebrand, gaining seven life right away. Feels really good. Basically, let's just play Grizzlebrand and draw seven cards when it enters the battlefield. And kill their best creature. That's not broken. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. Especially not when you're doing it on turn six because of Crypt Ghast. Whoa. That was what I was uh, hoping to ask you about, the uh, the Black Wolf Run deck that you played. I I did something very similar to that. I was calling it Mono Black Jund. Mm-hmm. Um, because Wolfram with Nighthawk is ridiculous. It is. It's a fireball. It's it's awesome. It's really strong. And I had uh, I had Grizzlebrand in there and Cryptgast and Liliana. Uh, Rakdos Keyrune was what I was playing because I was using Liliana to fetch the Overgrown Tombs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm playing Farseek, so I need to have green early. Yeah. That uh, that was one of the ways I, I, the deck differed, but I found that I never had trouble finding the the black mana. I really enjoyed playing that deck. Oh yeah, you know what's I mean, really fun using Keswick Wolfrun to pump someone's uh, Thrag Tusk up to eleven power and then forcing it to fight your Boros Reckoner with Domri Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's what I've nice. been doing. That or letting Holy them combo. attack and their attacker with Gore Clan Rampager. And then using my five bear or Uzumwalt uh, tracker to make it five Boros Reckoner. I mean, once you get somebody to around ten, it's very dangerous for them to do anything if you have Boros Reckoner on the board. Is it dangerous for them to play an omniscience? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it depends. If they end up doing anything to discards, I do have Harvest Pyre. Okay, but still, <laughs> you should automatically. I guess you do win immediately when you cast omniscience. Sometimes. Well, especially if you have entered the infinite in hand. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it depends on what else is actually in your deck. I have to make Omniscience enter the infinite because I've picked up a foil into the infinite. And I mean, I have to play it now. It's just. Ooh, pretty. Card availability, right? <laughs> well, I mean. This is so shiny and pretty, I have to put it in a deck, right? I'm not going to tell you that I haven't included cards in my deck just because I had foil versions of them. Uh, but, yeah. Wait a minute, you can fight your own creatures with Uvenwald Tracker? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this. Oh my goodness. I can do lots of really stupid things. You broke it, man. <laughs> I mean, there's been many yeah. times I've had two Boros Reckoners in play and just could pump the snot out of one and or both. Yeah, and redirect the damage to the, the opponent. Yeah, oh my god, totally two right. Boros Reckoners are fighting. That's right. The one pumps with a Gore Clan Rampager. Take ten, ho. <laughs> yeah. Also, I don't recommend blood rushing your opponent's creatures with Gore Clan Rampager and blocking. That's not going to work the way you want it to. Not the blocking. Because <laughs> of the whole trample thing and all. So my decks that I've been playing, uh, the Trash for Treasure deck in Modern has been surprisingly good. Uh Pentad Prism is an underplayed card in that format. That's good, I like it. Because <laughs> you play it on turn two with two different colors of mana, and then on turn three you've got uh, four or five mana you have access to, which 
can enable some pretty disgusting things. I mean, turn two Liliana is good, yes. No, but it's not turn, horrible. No, but turn three Tezzeret the Seeker is also pretty good. It seems like there are so many un- underutilized great artifacts from the original Mirrodin block that are still suffering from the affinity problem where everybody so much artifact destruction because of affinity that they never really get to see the lot of day. Well, that's probably why Aethervile is still not really seeing a lot of play, right? But, yeah, so the deck basically goes turn one faithless looting. Uh, I'm also running first for knowledge and is it charm for discard. Your plan turn two ideally is to go Pentad Prism and then turn three you use the mana from the Pentad Prism, you trash for treasure, sacrificing the Prism, and then bring back something disgusting. Sphinx of the Steelwind is my preferred, preferred, preferred target. I can English good. But I've also been trying uh, Sp- Spine of Ishtar, not worth it. Mind Slaver, too slow. Worm Coil Engine, awesome. And uh, in the sideboard, I have Ward of Bones. Can you just cast uh, like a Worm Coil at that point? Well, you could on turn four, yeah. So that's that's the sort of backup plan. The fact that I can cast because I'm ramping. That mm-hmm. uh, I'm also I have Bringer of the White Dawn in the deck right now, just as a, just because I can cast it. That I think needs to come out. Well, I was trying to think of another card that sort of duplicated the Trash for Treasure effect, but I couldn't. That, that doesn't seem to be one. There's a Master Transmuter. There is Master Transmuter. If you're looking at black, if if you want the one shot, you could do footsteps of the Gorya. Well, I'm in red. I'm strictly red blue, but Master Transmuter. I completely forgot that card existed. (laughs) Well, with the Pentad Prisms and the Sphere of the Suns, I can be, but I'd rather not be. (laughs) But yeah, Master Transmuter. He's like he's two to cast, is he? Four. He's four. That's the art's so cool with the. With the little infinity swirly thing on it, and yeah. He's lightning bolt eight. <laughs> infinity swirly thing. I'm walking up the yard right now. Is that like a reason to play the card ever, Art? <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> Only if that card is Armada Worm. Uh-huh. Okay, things we're not going to mention. Um, I'm just going to look this up now, because I'm not even sure what they go for these days. Well, I mean, so, it's interesting. Don't hit it. Wow, yeah, and she's kind of cute, too. It's no... Uh, <laughs> dude, she doesn't even have a body, though. Yeah, that's a minor technicality. <laughs> <laughs> so you can pick up a Master Transmuter uh, from Face to Face Games for $6 right now, so that, it's not cheap. You could also uh, write Master Transmuter on a swamp with a Sharpie. <laughs> 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 yeah. You could if you didn't want to play it at FNM. Yeah, but I mean, like... I don't know. I don't really think that, like... I don't really have a... I never have a drive to compete unless something's already tested. I see competing and testing as two completely different things. So, I don't... I mean, I'll never, like, try something out at FNM, really. Like, try something out at a tournament. Either I know it works or I don't play in the tournament. Oh, absolutely. And I probably will test it before I take it to the tournament. I'm just... That's just me, though. Do you actually FNM? Uh, I don't. Well, I mean, I guess I play. I, mean, I play online every Friday night and stream it. So that's my Friday night magic. <laughs> I call my stream FNM. So <laughs> no, I just find that I think if if Wizards could find a way to get prominent members of the community to go to FNMs, it would help attendance like crazy. Yeah, maybe. If you 
If you live in the Denver area and you knew that you could go to FNM and have a chance of playing against LSV or Chapin or Conley Woods, a lot of people would go just for that chance. I believe it. And I think if if there was a way to do that, I mean, obviously it, it would have to be a an incentive-based type of thing, but I think it's it's great. FNM for me is the purest form of competitive magic. I would like FNM a whole lot more if my local one wasn't draft. Yeah. Yeah, well, with the new... You know, the new GP schedule, there's almost always a GP on the weekend. So you yeah. can't really be doing Friday Night Magic in your hometown because on Friday you're flying there, you're at the tournament, you know, probably on Friday getting everything registered, maybe playing some, you know, I don't know. I mean, if you're a pro, maybe you're not playing on Friday, but obviously there's play going on on Friday. Um, and there's not really like a super F and M kind of thing all the time. Like not, there's not always an F and M type of thing at on Friday night of a GP. True. The other deck I'm working on uh, is Esper. I really wanted to build around the Viscopa Guild Mage Exquisite Blood combo. Mm-hmm. Um, and I f- figured, well, you know, Sphinx's Revelation is a pretty good card, and Grizzlebrand's a pretty good card. Can I play them in the same deck? Well, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. And I, I've got main deck Rocks Faith Menders in there, Vampire Nighthawk, uh, some Removal, some Supreme Verdicts. Deck's hilarious. Uh, Exclusive Blood is actually not that bad a card on its own when you already have creatures with lifelink. I don't know if it's worth five mana normally. I think I have but, six of those, though. Like, that's actually yeah. a card that I have that I could, you know, build something with. The price of that card has gone crazy, by the way. Hmm. It's like gone up it's six times what it was before this Copa Guild Mage got made. What is it, six dollars as opposed to one dollar? <laughs> I think it might actually be three. Oh, <laughs> as opposed to fifty cents? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's completely hey, it was unaffordable. Man. It is three dollars. Seven dollars for the full hill. Completely unaffordable. It's ballooned out of control. <laughs> Emergency ban. I'm telling you. Sanguine Bond is... The, uh, Sanguine... Is it Sanguine Bond? Mm-hmm. That was in uh, Scars of Meriden? Yes. The one that did shoot up pretty good? Oh, it's not Scars of Meriden. M10. Yeah, M10. Yeah. Uh, that is now $15. What in the it. world? <laughs> Who are these people that are buying all these? Well, it's it's a two-card combo with Exquisite Blood in, in EDH, right? So I guess. people are doing it. Yeah, I guess. The EDH market is surprisingly big. And the stuff it does to card prices is surprisingly big, too. Like, the effect it has on them, but... Yeah, you can't legislate for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You don't play EDH, then I take it? No, I don't. I used to play 150, which was the predecessor. Interesting. I haven't heard of that. It yeah, what, what's that format? 150 card Highlander. Uh, that's it, basically. And that and that had been around since the dawn of time. That And then EDH came out of that, basically. Well, that's my understanding of the evolution. Okay. What about Cube? Are you a Cube fan? Oh, absolutely. Cube's awesome. I used to not agree with that. I'm starting to enjoy it a lot more now, though. It's, I like it. I think it's awesome. I'm uh, I'm putting together my own. You see, I don't like the online Cube. I find it's it's too high for power level. But you do get to brew a lot in Cube. You can just throw together a whole bunch of nonsense and make a deck out of it. Yeah. You, well, you can like draft storm combo, or you can you know whatever the highlights of. Magic have been, you can play that in cube, which I think is awesome. One of the things that you do on your stream for draft is that you, you do like um, stipulation drafts and stuff, right? What do you mean? 
Like, people tell you you can only draft card X or thing Y. Uh, occasionally, I've done that in the past. Yeah, I've done, like, I'll play every card I draft, but I don't really do that anymore. Like, just me playing is like a stipulation draft, so <laughs> I don't need to pile it on too much. It's like your so limited you is limited, so it's like limited squared. I mean, it's just Verdant Havens and Bombs right <laughs> now, like... Have you done the, the Verdant Hayden, Haven, all of the gates, all of the greenside watches? I mean, that's my thing. That's the only thing I've done since it came out. <laughs> <laughs> is that deck as hard to put together as it looks? So, like, do you often find that you're getting cut out of gates? I mean, like, if you're getting cut from something, something else is available. So, like, I've never found forcing to be a risky strategy because you cannot actually force something if it isn't there. You're just forced to do something else. So, like, I will quote-unquote, force it every time, and then I usually win, so sometimes the deck looks differently. Sometimes it has fewer gates, more other things. Sometimes it has fewer, you know, it's like sometimes it's base three colors, sometimes, and those three colors are different, but uh, I find it to be, I can do it pretty consistently. Yeah, and I've, I haven't drafted a lot of gate crash, but that would be one of the things I wanted to do. All, unless I open Consuming Aberration, then I'm just going all in on the mill plan. I mean, you can go all in on the mill plan, but play five colors, too. I like, the way I see it is the the majority of decks in Gatecrash, if you're Boros or Orzov or whatever, you need to pick Gutter Skulk over the seven-drop bomb rare. Just because, like, the, the format's fast. You need, like, a Grizzly Bears is just better than a seven-drop rare, and I hate that. I just refuse to be passing these bombs for, like, mediocre commons. But I also want to be competitive, so like me taking the Verdant Havens and the Green Watchers and all this is my way of being competitive while not passing the rares. So I want the best of both worlds, basically. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes me. a lot of sense. Sure. I really didn't enjoy the Return Ravnica draft format. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. But uh, this one seems to be a bit better anyway. Awesome. So... Uh, what do you think we can look forward to in Dragon's Maze? Have you thought about it at all? Stuff that you want to see that the format needs for Standard, maybe? You know, like, it's hard for me to... I, I, can't, really, I can't really answer this, because I actually know what's coming, because... I, oh, that's yeah, right. I, 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 when I was a marketing intern, I played with some Dragon's Maze, so... I forgot all about that. I didn't know that that was the set you had worked on. I mean, yeah. I didn't really work on it. I was just, like, a marketing intern, and I would come down and, like, play, you know, whatever they're playing or whatever. So, like, I, I have some insight, but, I mean, like, I, don't, I actually don't know that much, so I, like, couldn't even, like, I couldn't even break my my non-disclosure agreement too bad. But, uh, I mean, I'll just say that it's going to be a, like, we sets are going to be good, and they're going to continue to be good. So you can talk about sets that are already out, though, right, That if you played against them? Yeah. Did you play any uh, any of the Gatecrash stuff while you were... While you were there, I did. did you see any of them? I remember. I think something that I contributed to is Call of the Nightwing, which is a, that four mana make a one-one cipher. Sure. That cost three in testing, and Ooh. Zach Hill had a deck together that had two of those in it, and I basically put in two more and cut two things, and then just left the deck as is, and then the card came out costing four instead of three. So. <laughs> I was That's like, right. Screw I, blue. Well, it was just insane as a three-drop. Like, it was Bitter Blossom. It was just, I don't know. I thought it was yeah, too strong. For sure, that does seem really strong. Like, playing that for three. I mean, at four, I did try it in a in a Bug Delva list for a little while with Quirion Dryad, mm-hmm. and that was stupid. If you ever got that going, 
your Curian Dryer just got out of control really quickly. Uh, yeah, so I can see if it was at three, like turn two Curian Dryad, turn three, call of the Nightwing, and imprint or encode or whatever the heck it's called. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see like cards change mana costs all the time. I don't know, effects change, and like just a matter of picking what the powerful cards are going to be. I guess and so, and, you know balance is good and all that, but. So one thing I've always thought would be good, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. I know the Future Future League sees a lot of stuff, and I know sometimes they'll print stuff and they're hoping that it doesn't get broken, mm-hmm. or they'll print cards that are really powerful. Do you think it would be a good thing if every now and then we got someone from development to write an article, maybe even about a, a, a format that's finished, saying we had this in Future Future League and it was broken and we're really glad nobody found it? Um... It depends. Is it still going to be really, really broken in modern? Well, I mean, you'll see stuff like uh, Zach Hill, right? He stopped playing. Yeah. And then you know, he stopped. Sorry, he stopped working at Wizards. And then he immediately built like a really, really good Delver deck and was like pumping it in modern, right? And like people are doing yeah. well with it. It's like, well, obviously you guys had this in <laughs> in FFL, and now that you're like. Uh, not working there, you're allowed to play with it. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. That's That relates. Did you get to do any FFL stuff or see any of it? Oh, definitely. I built decks. I played decks. I mean, I was, they hired me as a marketing intern, but I, like, spent a lot of time down there. I would get off and I would stay late, and I wasn't even getting paid for any of this. I, I would <laughs> get off and stay late and hang out there. I came in on days I wasn't even supposed to come in or whatever. Just to just to do like FFL drafts or like battles and stuff like that. So it was super fun. Are there any stories you can tell us that about sets that are out, maybe, or stuff that we haven't that we have seen that you can? Uh, I don't know. Talk about? I thought Sphinx's Revelation. I, I thought it was weird that that card got printed as is, but I guess it's been fine. Like it's a powerful blue-white card. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I that was a card that I was like the whole time. I was like. I'm confused why this, why this, like, shouldn't this be a sorcery, or, like, I don't know, but. <laughs> the uh, Frontline Medic, were you there when that was being developed? Like, do you know if that always had the two abilities on it? No, I don't know anything about that card, but I would, okay. can, I would guess that it, it was supposed to be for Bonfire and uh, Sphinx's Revelation, and supposed to be good enough to see play regardless of that, too, so it would just be, like, Splash Hate. That's my guess. I- yeah. I, f- I feel like Mark Rosewater wrote in it in one of his articles and talked about that card, and, and I feel like he said something about it being maybe a hole filler or something, and, like, yeah. they needed a card that did this, but they also needed a card that did this, so they kind of combined it onto a card. I, I think yeah. that was the card. I, I think I remember reading about that, but, but yeah, I mean, he he definitely has um, articles each time a set comes out about specific cards in the set um, that, that goes through that, so that's... Yeah, it's definitely I, I, a great a stable stag or whatever, you know? Yeah, well, that and Volcanic Fallout, we all know that they were the anti-fairy kind. Yeah, I mean, well, Reckoner, Boris Reckoner is an anti-thrag tusk, and, like, they printed all these Thunder My Hellcats and anti-lingering souls, and then there'll be an anti-Boris Reckoner, so, like, there's intentionally, like, rock-paper-scissors scenarios, and that's good. I, I do find it amusing that... Uh, Thrag Tusk was originally an anti-Delva card, and yeah. then they needed an anti-Thrag Tusk card. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> they need an anti-Thrag Tusk card now. 
it also occurred to me that Thragtusk and, to a lesser extent, Centaur Healer might have been printed because Zombies was just dominating the Future Future League. Could have been. And, and they needed something to slow that down. So that kind of makes sense. That's the way a lot of development happens. Which is funny if you think about it. We, we, all we see is the end product, and we're not sure if it's a, chi- you know, it's a chicken or egg scenario. We don't know which came first. I always but, assume that the developers and the designers are just brilliant people. Because, <laughs> well, we, because they are. Yeah, we know they are. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah. And they have, basically their job description is break the format as a group of 20 that a group of t- 2 million are trying to break later <laughs> on. Yes. And for the most part, they do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they the way they recruit's pretty insane. They recruit through competitive magic, so it's like you know how, it's how like to do it. Up the miners. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Well, recently they've just been recruiting podcasters, which is kind of awesome. I mean, kind of good news for us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gavin and Ryan Spain and uh, Sam Stoddard, all former podcasters. I mean, also all... Marshall? Well, Marshall doesn't actually work for them, but... But they've yeah. got him doing coverage on a lot of, you know, wizard for sure. events. I mean, definitely, like, just being visible in the community is a big part of how they recruit. They want people who are visible in the community and vocal, and they don't... Yeah. They seem to know what they're talking about, but more importantly, they they have ideas. They believe they they believe they know. So, <laughs> well, they have an anti-squirrel bias, so I'm definitely never making it. Well, we know that's not true. There are big fans of squirrels there, although they did get rid of yeah, one. Yeah, one in the past. Squirrel's not really a, much of a creature type anymore. Back. Sad times. It's coming back. Awesome. It's coming back in. Uh I'm telling you, it's not you make the card, it's you make the squirrel. Too bad it's land, though. So. <laughs> hey, did land win? Yeah. Oh, oh wait, gosh. did it? I thought that it did. Did it not? They had the runoff vote between land and enchantment, and I wasn't oh. really paying attention. Well, it's not creature. No, I, I missed that. No, it's yeah. not. Why can't I just have a land that makes a squirrel mob? You know, put a 1-1 one, one squirrel creature into play that gets plus 1, plus 1 for each other squirrel. There we go. That's an awesome land. Don't they already Squirrel have that land? Oh no, that's I'm sorry, that's a that's an artifact. Acorn with the there's a there's acorn an artifact catapult. that does. Yes, acorn catapult. There we go. Stop it. Where there's a Just will, there's a way. No, he's not here. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. <laughs> awesome. So let's uh let's move on to our random moment of geekery. Uh Travis, Wait. I don't know if you've heard our show. Uh, what That's okay, I know, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> The random moment of geekery is where we talk about one random thing that we did this week, sort of associated with geek culture. Okay. Uh, I will let everyone else go first, so you can get an idea. And if you have something great, if not, not a big sure, deal. Sure. What's wrong, Adina? You were going to That's say okay. something. It, it, I can incorporate this into the random moment of geekery. Um, so I, I do have actually. Um, a random moment of geekery, but first I want to point out that there was an announcement at PAX East, which is kind of a geekery thing, so that fits into this whole thing. Um, they announced that Magic, actually they announced it on the website, that uh, Duels of the Planeswalker 2014 will be available on Android, and I'm super, super stoked for that. Um, and I may actually be playing quite a bit of Duels of the Planeswalker 14, since pretty much everything I play is on my Android. 
So uh, super huh. stoked for that. Uh, but that's a magic thing, so we'll go into a regular geekery thing. You know, they're I, not going to uh, get me until they put magic online on the iPad. <laughs> then I will geek out. Oh, oh, magic online. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be best if it was magic online, but in lieu of that, at least we can play Duels of Planeswalkers. Um, so anyway, Morgan Rice put out a new uh, book in the Sorcerer's Ring. Tr- uh, it's not a trilogy. It's a series, um, A Clash of Honor, and I read through that. Basically, I, I got it and just read right through it that day and didn't stop until I was done. It was awesome. Um, and then I have a new series that I just started reading that kind of had the same effect. I downloaded a sample on Amazon and read the beginning of it, and I was so into it that I just downloaded the rest of the book. Um, and it's a Demon Kissed um, series. I don't think it's a trilogy. I think there's more than three books in it. Um, and it's actually... I kind of looked at it and was like, eh, I don't know about this. And I started reading it. I was just like, whoa, I'm so into this. So that's my moment of geekery. I see. Mr. Squirrel Master. My moment of geekery is a picture I stumbled upon on the Reddits. It is what Sauron looks like when he lets his hair down and has fun with the one ring. Oh, dear. I put it in the chat. I'm clicking on it. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me I want to see this. All right, hang on. Let me bring this up. Because normally when you find pictures, they are actually quite terrifying to look at. Like the Spetsnaz from last week. Hey, that guy was awesome. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. <laughs> what has been seen? <laughs> it's the whole, the fact that he's got his foot turned up all flirty-like. <laughs> shouldn't, um, shouldn't he be invisible? <laughs> That's only if it's on your finger. Ah, uh, right. Okay. Jesus, that's crazy. All right. I know he must be. He must be super hot because the the Elvin's showing. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure he's sweating. It's that friction. is hot. I don't even. I I'm just not going to touch it. Uh, my moment of geekery is TV related, uh, because this time next week. Not only will we be about to watch the return of Game of Thrones, but we will also have seen the previous night the return of Doctor Who, which uh, seems like a pretty good weekend to me. Yes, and if you have three-year-old daughters, uh, the La La Loopsie television series premieres on Friday. I'm just going to leave that silence in. <laughs> Normally I will cut dead hair, but I'm leaving that silence in because nobody has a sweet clue what you're talking about. Hey, there are going to be some dads out there, some moms who know what I'm talking about. But uh, La La Loopsie. Just, just let it go, Chris. Okay. It's not relevant for you at this time. Also, they're remaking DuckTales. This was announced at PAX as well. Did you see this? I like DuckTales. The NES version is being remade. I think it's going to be on Wii U. So, Travis, do you have a moment of geekery to share? You know, I don't really know how to answer this question because I don't really understand what geekery or nerdery really is. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's all good. It's just nonsense, basically. Something yeah. that's awesome and non-pornographic. Uh, I came on a podcast. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> I don't normally do that. You should do it more often, because this has been fun. Yeah, it was fun. 
Awesome. So let's do some shout-outs, and uh, then we'll let you get back to your Sunday, I guess, evening for you. Yeah, I'm about to go to the gym and uh, get in the hot tub and then go for a quick swim. Come back, eat dinner, write an article, and that's going to be it. The life of a superstar right there. It's a liberating existence. I went to a gym once, just once. The problem with gyms is that spandex don't span this. Uh, Adina, do you have any shout-outs? That's an image that I did not need in my brain. (laughs) Life, you love it. <laughs> Adina, shout outs, please. Adina, I think you done killed her, Chris. <laughs> the horror of that mental image. Okay, so now yeah. I realize I turned, I, I put my mic on mute there because I had to, you know, blow my nose, and I forgot to turn it back on, and I was wondering why you were ignoring me when I was talking earlier. Uh. So, like, oh, that's why, because they couldn't hear me. So, uh, shout out to Gwen Stefani, and no doubt, because it's been stuck in my head all podcast. Um, you know that song, I'm just a gruel in the world, that's all that you'll let me be. Yeah, so that's been stuck in my head, and I'm probably going to have to come up with some more lyrics to that eventually. Um, and uh, shout out to Martinet for hosting our website. Shout out to Card Kitty for the image that is on our website. And uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Uh-huh. Did you seriously just shout out Gwen Stefani? You I believe she did. <laughs> <laughs> she is a handsome woman, Chris. Sure. Oh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. There was one more. Shout out to Ricky Hayashi, who is my regional coordinator. He might actually listen. Yeah. Shout out to Ricky Hayashi. Yes. He is a nice guy. He was the table judge at uh, the PTQI one to put me on the Pro Tour. Nice. Awesome. Actually, he wrote about it. He, he, I don't know if he was a table judge or he was like covering. He covered it for some reason. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's hilarious too. Uh, Travis, shout out, sir. Me? Am I Tiwu or Travis? Uh, you could be Tiwu, so we'll go with actual Travis. T Hall. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now he's a oh, uh, so Just my usual. I can't talk tonight. My usual shout-outs to uh, Team Girth, Kirk Dubay, Billy, Jacob, Brian, David. Um, shout-out to the wife for letting me take over the Basement Circuit podcast. Uh, that's about it. Shout-out to Will, who uh, decided that he had more important things to do than at the podcast. He at least got our show notes together. He's a He's a champ, that one. He's an all-star, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. At least he's not scrubbing out of a PTQ this weekend. I mean, only right. top eights. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like, who loses in the top four? Okay, Tiwu, any shout-outs? Yeah, I want to shout-out Horde of Notions podcast, first of all, for having me on. Sweet. I want to shout-out all the Magic players out there at every level, whatever your goal is. Um, it's cool that we're united around this thing, and I really believe in it. I think it's, at the very least, it's mental exercise, and at the most, it's a way of life. So, I'm just super appreciative of the community. If you guys want to follow me, you guys know how. Definitely look out for me, and come battle on Tuesday, Brews Day. Anyone, anyone out there, I love to play against random new decks, and I love to do it on stream. So, I hope hope to see some new people out there on Tuesday. We- we might well take you up on that at some point oh, yeah. as part of the uh, podcast stream as well. So that'll be awesome. Well, why don't you go ahead and put out your um, your stream handle or your um, MTGO handle, Travis? Uh, Trav, T-R-A-V-V. Okay, awesome. So keep an eye out for that, guys. It's on Tuesdays that you do this, is yeah, it? Yeah, Tuesday, Bruce Day. 
Alrighty. See Wu's debut day actually. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so for me, my shout outs. Uh, shout out to you, Travis, for joining us. Appreciate it. Really enjoyed this. Thank you. Well, uh, hopefully we'll have you on again, probably when the new set comes out, so that you can actually talk about some of those cards. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I want to give a shout-out to all my local players, especially uh, the legendary Extra Balls, Chris Stoyles, whose articles are now being published on Mana Deprived, along with mine. Uh, he wrote a good one on uh, Entering Legacy with some cheap decks, or cheaper decks. So that's that's always good to see the local players getting some recognition. And I want to also give a shout-out to Stoneblade Entertainment. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> No, Ascension is awesome, and I'm really looking forward to uh, the beta for Soulforge coming out on the PC so that I can actually get some some play out of it, not owning an iPad as I do. And also, a uh, shout-out to Face-to-Face Games. Uh, they will be at GP Portland. You can have your Sal tokens signed there by the man himself. Also, keep an eye on FaceToFaceGames.com. Uh, Singles for Dragon's Maze will be coming up as soon as spoiler season hits. Prices are always very competitive, and get your pre-orders in early so that you make sure you're not disappointed. Face-to-Face also is uh, bringing the Mana Deprived Super Series all across Canada this year. Events already uh, have taken place in Halifax and, I believe, Toronto. There's one coming up in Calgary. So keep your eyes open on the Face-to-Face Games Facebook group and Twitter feed for more information on those. And that's about it. So on that note, let's wrap this baby up. For the Absent Will... For Adina, for Travis, and for special guest, other more famous Travis, this is Chris saying join us again next time for another exciting episode of Horde of Notions. Life is-